This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 87, for Monday, September the 10th, 2012. Uh, I started kind of fast there, I feel like. I just sort of rammed it all out of my mouth. You rammed it out of your mouth. Yes, I did. Hello over there. Hello, everybody. I, I don't know. Hello over there. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Can you hear me? <laughs> uh, uh, so, I don't know. I don't know if that sounded okay, but whatever. It's going to stand. I wasn't listening. I don't know. How you been? What's new? What's shaking? What's up? Yep. It's all good. All the, It's all, all shaking. It's all up. All right. It's all new. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> well, in that case, I, I need to wish you a happy swap, uh, National Swap Ideas Day. Oh, are we swapping ideas? Well, we I should, guess. We should swap ideas. Okay. You got Cause, one? Because when you swap ideas, uh, you know, when you, okay, if, if I met you in, uh, in the middle of the field and we each had a dollar and we swapped dollars, we each would have one dollar. But if we met in the middle of a field and we swapped ideas, we would each have two ideas. That's very true. <laughs> very true. Uh, have you got an idea? Because um, <laughs> today is National Swap Ideas Day. Well, it's not come up with a damn idea day. No, that's true. So if you don't have one, you really have nothing to contribute. <laughs> well, I could, yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head other than... Uh, well, here, here. Th- I'll tell you that this holiday is celebrated by encouraging everyone to use their brain and share ideas with each other. Swap Ideas Day encourages, encourages us to share and trade ideas and concepts. Well, I, the only idea that I had today that wasn't entirely work-related was uh, the name of a podcast that we don't do, which was... Should uh, we tell everybody? Maybe we will do it. <laughs> well, isn't the show over after this season? This is the last season, right? Of what? The Walking Dead? No, the the show I'm talking about. Oh, I don't know what show you're talking about. Well, just the uh, the show you were talking about, uh, Breaking Bad, and I said, too bad we don't do a podcast called The Talking Bad. Oh. See, that was my only idea today. Uh, but this is the okay. last season of the show, so starting a podcast now would probably be the shortest television podcast related to... Uh, Breaking well, Bad. Breaking Bad comes back next summer, and uh, it's going to be eight more episodes, so... Oh, okay. So this isn't the last season. I thought this was the last season. It's no, and te- technically it's part of the same season, but Gosh. it's it's the second half. Why and did they do a that? Giant hiatus because they're jerks. It's like they did with the uh, uh, the Sopranos. They had it was the same season, but there was a year and a half between them. Yeah. Same with uh, that show about the the Cylons, the Battlestar Galactica. The Battlestar yeah. Galactica. <clears throat> yeah, it it bugs me, but that's what they do. They think they can, uh, you know, draw it out longer and and make more money. I guess. Uh, but anyways. National Swap Ideas Day, so go out and swap some ideas. Do it. It's a good idea. Trade. Like Jason said, everyone will have more than one idea. That's right. (laughs) Genius, I'm telling you. That's your idea for the day right there. I read it on the internet the other day. Oh. You were preparing for (laughs) idea swapping. You know, not intentionally. I had no idea it was Idea Swap Day, but I saw (laughs) a little internet uh, cartoon where it said something about ideas. Or it might have been on Facebook. I have no idea. All (laughs) righty. Truly, I have no idea. (laughs) All right. Well, we're a bit all over the place, so why don't we rein it back in and get on to our first segment. The Walking Dead News. Which is The Walking Dead News. We are going to have a quick Walking Dead News segment this week, which is unusual for us. It is. Because we have other important things to get to, such as our discussion of The Walking Dead Season 2 DVD 
mostly the special features. Right. And our review of The Walking Dead Episode 3, The Telltale Game. Mm -hmm. So that is going to be really exciting, too. I'm looking forward to that quite a bit. But first, as the bumper informed you, we're going to do some quick Walking Dead news. The first item this week is that The Walking Dead Season 3 is filming in Grantville, Georgia. Ooh. This is not the regular town that is doubling for Woodbury. This is a different town. It's a different place. It eh? is a different place. Now, if I had to take a shot, I would say that they're probably just using this town as a different part of Woodbury, maybe a different street or something like that, but uh, it is technically a different place. It is uh, southwest uh, of Atlanta, mm-hmm. from what I see uh, from Google Maps. Which is, I think, where most of the on-location sets are in that sort of general area. Yep. But Grantville, Georgia. So Mayor Jim Sells said that the set used to film episode 12 of season three. Ooh. So they're, you know, partway through the second half. Uh, will remain in place until Monday, September 17th, when filming concludes. So you have... All this week to go check it out if you happen to be in the area. That'd be cool. You've got seven days from right now. Take pictures, send them in. That would be cool, yeah. See what you can find out. He also described the set as chaotic. Chaotic. What do you think that means? It means there's chaos down there. Random (laughs) actions. So Butterflies flapping and causing thunderstorms in other parts of the world. (laughs) That's the definition of chaos? Chaos, man. Uh, I'm here. I'm going to throw out a wild theory right now. This is episode 12, so it's two-thirds of the way through the season, I think there's going to be some sort of violent conflict inside the walls of Woodbury, and it's going to be filmed in Grantville, Georgia this week. Is that what you think? That's what I'm going with. Okay, go with that. Who said it was chaotic? I think the mayor did, Jim Sells, the mayor of Grantville. Okay, he doesn't know what the word chaotic means. What he's thinking of is pandemonium. Okay, chaotic is random. He's chaotic just, is random. Pandemonium is just lots of activity, noise. It's uh, very hard to concentrate. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff going on all at the same time. Pandemonium. Chaotic, chaotic would mean that there's just random crap going on. Maybe he does mean chaotic. Maybe he just means it's a very busy, messy set with junk everywhere. That's I, sort of chaotic. I, well, no, not really. I mean, it's all probably pretty organized and planned. I mean, these people know how to run a show. They don't just show up and go, okay, knock some buildings down. Let's. Uh, who's got an iPhone? Let's film some stuff. <laughs> right? That would be chaotic. <laughs> yeah, I suppose Pan- that's true. You know, apparent pandemonium is what he's looking for. Apparent pandemonium. Yeah. There's our show title. <laughs> so, okay. Well, he said chaotic. Jason thinks he meant pandemonium. Pandemonia. Pandemoniac. Ponianiac. Pandemoniums. Okay. <laughs> Multiple we'll, pandemonia. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll find out in, uh, I don't know, a number of months when episode 12 is on the air. All right. Uh, season three has episode titles for the first three episodes. Really? If, if you can believe... Um, uh, the IMDb. The inaccurate movie database? That's why I said if you can believe them. But you know what? They haven't led us astray in the past when it comes to episode titles. So here they are. Okay. Episode number one of season three will be called Seed. Ooh. Seed. <laughs> Seed. Episode number two will be called Sick. Uh, similar. The similar first title, title made me sick. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> episode three, they break with the formula here, will be called Walk With Me. Hmm. Fire so, Walk With Me. Yeah. There's some weird, uh, what was that show? Wasn't that? Um, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks? Yeah, it was Twin Peaks. I've never seen Twin Peaks, but I recognize that name. Yeah. That he, was the name of the movie, right? David Lynch. Yeah. Yeah, Fire Walk With Me. I like David Lynch, but I've never seen anything, oh, there's any some, Twin Peaks There's stuff. some chaos. 
chaos in that that show. That's for sure. Probably pandemonium too. Oh, it was random. It was just <laughs> weird randomness. Oh, well, maybe someday I'll watch it. So, seed sick and walk with me. Uh, any theories what these are referring to? Well, the seed, of course, is uh, referring to the fact that uh, farmers have to plant their seeds in order for stuff to grow. So maybe uh, they they are planting the seed for the season. Okay, it's sort of like a yeah. It's the seed. Maybe maybe nothing will happen because you know seeds are pretty much just nothing until they get planted and they have water and dirt around them and then they grow and they grow into something. But while they're a seed, they're just they're kind of stored plant material, right? So there's a lot of potential for something. There's a lot of potential for something. So maybe in the first episode, nothing happens. They're just sitting around that dying fire again, chit-chatting. So what did you do before the zombies broke out? Oh, I was a law student, yeah. (laughs) I went to school and uh, then I came up to get my sister and she died and stuff. Okay, good. (laughs) Why the hell not? Sick? What do you got for sick? Oh, everybody's thrown up. Uh, uh, For what reason? They're sick. Because they're malnourished and they're yeah, throwing up? I'm going to have to go with food poisoning. Right. <laughs> they overate. That's likely that's to happen not, on this show. No, that's, that's, uh, I don't think that's food poisoning. Ah, I, I that's, understand. Uh, that's food gluttony. Gluttony. Uh, food poisoning. I got, you know, it's very, a lot of potential for food poisoning in, this, in the zombie apocalypse because how are they going to you know, get decent food? They're going to eat canned food? That's true. They, so. uh, that's right. Food will rot. There's not a lot of refrigeration going on. No, nope. they have to eat all uh, canned food or dry goods or uh, hit a camping store. They have a lot of freeze dried food, which would still be good. Add okay, water and away you go. So walk with me. Here's this, this is episode number three. Walk with me. I I'm gonna go. <clears throat> I'm gonna say this is, um, this is when Rick and the governor are talking. An actual theory. I'm going to. Uh, put forth here. What, like mine aren't? Uh, okay, they're theories. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm going to think that the governor and then him are having a fairly civil conversation for whatever reason. And one of them says, probably the governor, walk with me. And it he could be. talks him and he talks him around, tours him around Woodbury talking about stuff. I think it's a tour of Woodbury. I think you're right. I walk think it's with the me. governor uh, asking Rick to walk around with him and uh, they're going to talk about stuff and that's going to plant the seed of the uh, the conflict between them. Okay, so we've got episode one, nothing happens. That's right. Episode two, everyone gets food poisoning. Yep. And episode three, they have a tour of Woodbury. That's right. Wow. <laughs> Hopefully it's more than that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to wait and find out. Uh, when the rest of the episode titles are announced, we will come up with ridiculous theories here about them then, yeah. too. After that, the fourth episode will be called The Boring Dead. <laughs> We, maybe we should rename this show Boring <laughs> Dead. I don't know. We'll, hey, that's a good idea. We'll find out. Uh, last item in the news today. Yeah. I told you it'd be quick. Only Short. three. The Walking Dead zombies to join Dorney's zombie invasion. That makes no sense to me. Well, Dorney Park and Wildwater Kingdom in Allentown, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. will be having their second annual zombie invasion uh, this Halloween, I guess. Did I write down when it is? No, I did not. It is sometime in October. Guests will be allowed to come in costume, or they can be transformed by uh, makeup artists at the park. Cool. Anyways, some of the Walking Dead zombies will be in attendance to, I guess, hang around, frighten them, and actually do a panel. So um, that evening, 7.30 to 8.30, I wrote down the time, but not the day. Oh, good. I'll have to look that up and put it in the show notes. They'll be doing a panel with Kevin Galbraith, uh, Savannah Weehunt. Yeah, and Sonia Thompson. Cool. All of those are fom- um, featured prominent zombies on the show. Okay, so hopefully they won't stay in character. 
not the whole time. Well, not for not for a panel. That'd be really kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just trying to eat the audience. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of answers there. No. <laughs> not coherent anyway. You know, over the years, I have had the opportunity of interviewing zombies. Right. And uh, occasionally they do stay in character for the interviews. Those interviews are generally pretty short. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and once I even resorted to uh, some just making zombie sounds instead of ask, asking actual questions. Did you poke any of them? Uh, if you poke a person, sometimes they'll they'll leave their character. <laughs> poke. I didn't think of that at the it's, time. It's a little known actor trait. You know, <clears throat> if somebody's staying in character and they refuse to leave, you poke them. Does it work for clowns? Uh, no. Doesn't they just giggle? <laughs> Clowns are always in character. Yeah, well, you just giggle when you're a clown. You get poked, you giggle. That's part of the uh, that's part of the job, I guess. And then say, "Don't touch me. I'm not insured." <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> don't knock me down. And it could one, be expensive for that you. That gets their parents' attention. I'll tell you that. Oh, I bet. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Dorney Park uh, and Wildwater Kingdom, as I said, is in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And big dummy me didn't write down the date, but if you are in that area, <laughs> you probably know about it. And if you're a Walking Dead fan, some of the prominent zombies will be there from the show. All so right. I got open September 24th on their website. All right. And uh, I'm checking it out, but I don't know. All right, cool. Dorneypark.com is where you can go for more information. I highly recommend you do so if you are interested in that sort of thing. Hmm. All righty. That is it for the news. That's it, eh? That's a f- quick one, I'm telling you. Let's get on to, you know, the first part of the meat of this episode. The, the, the meat appetizer. The meat appetizer. Bacon. <laughs> Bacon's a good meat appetizer. Sure it is. Bacon is good all the time. Uh, and this is about the Walking Dead DVD. So we've watched most of the special features. Yep. Well, I watched all of them. I watched all of the special um, features. And a couple of the commentaries. I watched one, most of the commentary. <laughs> All right. Well, I watched the premiere and the finale commentaries. I only watched the finale. I also <clears throat> watched the commentary on a few of the deleted scenes. Oh, okay. Specifically, I wanted to watch the commentary on the uh, original sort of opening and storyline for the season two premiere because it was the longest sequence of deleted scenes. Right, right, right. And I thought Glenn Mazzara, who does that commentary, might have something interesting to say about it. But... Let's uh, first follow up on an email we got, I think it was last week or the show before, Dale in Maryland. He wrote in previously about Robert Kirkman being a jerk and having nothing interesting to say on the season one DVD commentaries. Right. Well, Dale has now watched the commentaries for season two, and he wrote in and said this, I have just viewed all the commentaries from the season two DVD. The format is different from season one. In season two, Glenn Mazzara acts as the moderator for all the commentaries. Each one includes directors, writers, and cast members. I must say that all of these entries are interesting, including the ones that include Robert Kirkman. Kudos to Mazzara for producing insightful commentaries. From these efforts, I'm more than happy to give Kirkman a second chance. Oh, good. So he completely turned around from what he was saying last time. Well, I shouldn't say that. Maybe he was on the fence before, and Kirkman sort of redeemed himself in his mind. It looks some like. people need to be reined in, right? And some people oh, yeah. need to be controlled and directed, and uh, they just let loose. I'm, I'm good at that too because if just if you let me loose, I'll just ramble. 
absolutely right. just go off from topic to topic and ramble and ramble and ramble. This is why it's good to have show notes. Right. And it's good to have you around because I know I'm rambling right now. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I was just going to let you go. <laughs> I just Some people need to be reined in. So, Jason, yes. astrophysics, uh, go. Uh, well, I, bought, I got this app for my phone where I can look around, and uh, we were looking for uh, Orion, the uh, that constellation Orion, when we were at the uh, the cottage a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. And uh, Jenny thought it was in the sky in this part of the sky, and I said, no, no, it's too early in the year. It's below the horizon. So I down- bought and downloaded this app where you can see things, and I uh, I looked around for it, and uh, sure enough, it was uh, below the horizon. You showed her. I did. <laughs> All right. That's good. It's good to know. Thank you, iPhone, for once again helping me prove my wife was wrong. There you go. So um, how do you want to do this? We've got the featurettes. We've got deleted scenes, then commentaries. Um, I've made a bunch of notes for myself. We could have talked about this off air, but I don't know. Th- things are all over the place today, so what the hell? Well, let's um, just go with your notes. What, do you, what did you start with? All right, so the, the, I just made notes on each one. So live and let die. The thing I took away from this, this was about characters who passed away. Right. Uh, mostly about Shane, I think. And the thing I took away from this one was really how good John Bernthal actually was in season two. Yeah, he was very good. I uh, I didn't really think about it too much while I was watching it or even while we were talking about all those episodes, but he was clearly the most conflicted character and uh, all the scenes he was, he was in, I thought he did a really, really fantastic job. You I would know, agree with that. For a guy who's not exactly a well-known actor, you know, nope. I've never heard of him before this, he's clearly got some serious acting chops. Yeah, and uh, he probably is glad that he's off this show now because it really kind of jump-started his career, I would think. Like, Well, at least, okay, my uh, my rule is if I know who you are, you're famous. So he wasn't famous before this show, and now he is famous. I definitely think his level of fame has gone up at least a few notches because of this show. Yeah. And and it doesn't help that he was amazing. And and watching this hurt. commentary, it doesn't hurt that he was amazing. Right. That's what I meant. It doesn't help. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. help him at all. <laughs> no. He's screwed. It helps him a great deal. Yeah, it does. And uh I, I just it just brought it into perspective how good he was in this. Mm-hmm. The other thing I liked from this one is was they showed some behind the scenes of him and Andrew Lincoln uh filming his death scene and it was kind of fun to see them kind of get up off the ground after and hug and they wrapped and you know Shane made a little or uh, John made a little speech to everybody on the crew and stuff and how great it was and it just looked like it's a really nice environment to be working in even though it's dark and cold and you just had to stab your friend in the stomach and stuff like that yeah it happens so it was pretty cool um Bear McCreary the one about music I thought was really fascinating that was good too I really liked that he had a funny quote right at the beginning. He said, let's tune up before we play a bunch of dissonant out-of-tune chords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I really liked. That way you're knowingly out of tune. <laughs> That's right. Instead of just out of tune. That's right. As long as you're knowingly, everything is fine. Yeah. Um, Bear McCreary, another fascinating guy. Excellent composer, clearly. And um, uh, he said that, or, or revealed in this one, I didn't write down the name of this one, but uh, each episode had five to seven minutes of music. Yep. And the finale had 30 minutes. Yep. Crazy how that works. That is crazy. You know? And you'd think that, I mean, I know that the music on this show is pretty sparse. There's a lot of scenes where there just isn't any music. At least that's my feeling. Right. Uh, so only five to seven minutes, though, you'd think out of 45 minutes, there'd be more than that. But. I guess not. You know, if I was a professional musician, I think I would like to work in the television and movie industry because mm-hmm. uh, you get to you get to perform. Yep. Right. Your 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 uh, performance, but you don't have to dress up or 
go in front of an audience. No, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. As like a violinist or something. You, yeah. sh- you can show up in whatever you want. You record, you perform. You know, your music is out there. Yep. But you don't have to wear a tuxedo to the... Exactly. You don't have to wear the frogman suit. No, that's uh, that's an underwater penguin suit. It's a penguin suit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> frogman suit. <laughs> exactly. That'd be funny. Well, that would be funny. An orchestra of, in, in uh, scuba gear. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Why not? Exactly. It's got to be a market for that. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. I, it was fun to hear him talk about the various things that go into this music too. The various instruments and influences, and like weird drums and. Yep. funny wind instruments and stuff like that. Like a lot of weird stuff, because as he said, it's dissonant, a little bit ambient a lot of the time, and, and I guess they draw from a various sources for for the influences mm-hmm. on it. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. He also talked about, uh, you know, most of the episodes, he has a, a handful of musicians. Like mm-hmm. he has a few violinists, a cello, and, you know, bass, and a couple other things. But for the finale, he, he wanted a full orchestra. Yeah. So they brought in a whole bunch of extra people. There was a lot of footage of that of them in the room recording, and uh, it looked pretty fun. It would be fun. I mean, it looked cool. There was one about um, a separate feature ad about sound effects, too, and that one just made me want to be a Foley artist. Well, I've always kind of wanted to be a Foley artist. Foley is looks like so much fun. Well, you get to... It's all fruits and vegetables, really. It's, well, and <laughs> it's creative, too, because if you need the sound of an axe hitting a head, you know, and that sound happens to be created by snapping celery or bones breaking or whatever. Exactly. You twist celery and then have some kind of splattery noise right beside it, and you're good to go. That's great, because you're... It's super creative. You have to come up with ways to make these sounds. Yep. And make it not sound like snapping celery. Yep. <laughs> And, you know, you're you're contributing as much to the sound mix of a TV show or a movie as as the composer, you yeah. know? And you can tell bad Foley when you're watching a movie and you can – it's just the, the bad Foley that's out there in some of the B-rated movies. Sure. It's just horrible. It's like clop, 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 click, groan. But the Foley in uh, – now, the sound effects, uh, the only thing I, I – the only problem I have is some of the sound effects for the, the, the gory kind of splattery stab somebody in the head is a little over the top. Oh, they are, but they kind of – they kind of overdo those on purpose, I think, almost a yeah. little bit. Well, they they do, but I'd, sometimes I feel they're a little uh, they're a little much. A big part of gore is sound, uh, you know. True. I mean, visuals are important, <clears throat> obviously. If you have a stomach ripped open like Dale's, but you know that squishy sound makes it even worse. Yeah. Um, also, from this one, watching people record zombie sounds was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, in a group. Yeah, you get four people sort of standing in a group with a mic there and. They can't help but act like zombies yep. while they're making the sounds. So they're hunched over, they're reaching stuff, they're moving funny, you know. And you get like a group of them around a microphone or maybe they're a little bit farther back from the mic and then they kind of, you know, swing in nearby to make a uh, uh, sound. And oh, yeah. It was, it was really, really fun. And I can't believe that they don't just feel absolutely ridiculous standing there doing <laughs> that. But I guess it's their job, so... You know, it's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> now, two things. One is, uh, what was that movie with uh, Johnny Depp that they, it was a, an animated movie where he played a lizard? Oh, yeah, Rango. Rango. So when they when they did the audio for that, they actually did all the actions in, uh, in on a soundstage, mm-hmm. right? So they, they, I don't even know if they captured the actions, but you can see some of the video of Johnny Depp walking like the lizard and stuff going on, all this action going on, just to get uh, a more... Uh, you know, more realistic audio for what was going on in the movie. And I thought that was very interesting. I'm sure it helps. You know, you got a, 
you have to it helps to just act things out as you're doing it like yeah. if you're putting on a voice or a zombie sound or whatever being the zombie is easier than just standing there going yeah rrr. and you don't have individual people sitting in a sound booth right an, an isolation booth where you're just sitting there on a stool going Ugh. you're not going to get a well you can i mean people are a lot more professional than i would be sitting in there making noises <laughs> but uh you know on a sound yes. on a sound stage where you're watching the the uh the footage and you're acting it out i think you'd probably it'd be easier to get a good performance out of me than it would be putting me in an isolation booth and say okay make some noises yeah and it's probably more fun oh yeah bottom line you yeah. know and and the second thing i wanted to point out was uh <clears throat> having the single microphone and you were saying that you you know depending on how far away from the microphone you are you're making the sounds yep uh i just remember back in the day when they used to record bands that way like uh, when you back in the 60s they didn't have stereo all they had was all mono and they didn't have multi-track recording you stuck you put a band in a room and you stuck a microphone at the location where you wanted the various sounds <clears throat> in comparison to the levels. Right? Oh, wow. So the things you wanted quieter, you put farther away from the microphone. You put the singer next to the microphone with his guitar, and you put the drums all the way in the back. Right. right. So I thought that was, uh, that's a really interesting way to record music. And some people still do that, very lo-fi kind of thing. But uh, that, from what I saw, there was only one microphone in that room. It was probably a stereo mic, but uh, uh, having that kind of thing and having the people positioned where the different sound levels would be. You know, I wouldn't, I didn't notice, but I wouldn't be surprised if there actually might've been more than one mic in that room. There was probably a main center mic. Um, oh yeah. There could have been mics right. hanging from the ceiling for, you know, just 5.1. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. For well, you're probably like right. You're probably right. But from what it looked like, it was essentially a mic on a stand with people kind of dancing around it, making zombie noises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and really entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't remember which one it was in. Oh, it was in the one about, uh, featurette about the comic adaptation to the show. Right. Robert Kirkman was talking about, you know, he did most of the talking on this one, being the author of the comic. And, uh, he said something about the way that Carl was shot <clears throat> and how they find the farm in the TV show was adaptation perfection, which is an interesting concept because his, what he was saying here is that, you know, Carl gets shot, that leads them to the farm, um, except you still don't really, when watching the TV show, even having read the comic, you still don't really see it coming. Right. Because <clears throat> I guess you kind of know that Carl's going to get shot. Well, you don't really know for no. sure. But, uh, you know, you know they're going to find the farm, but you don't see it coming as, a, as having been a comic reader because it's a little bit different. But even though it's the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Adaptation perfection. I thought that was really an inter- interesting way of putting it. Yeah. It, it's nice to have, uh, you know, the differences, at least having differences uh, gives you a sense of wonder of what's going to happen. Because you don't know what's going to be adapted directly from the comic and what's going to be completely new. Yeah. Or what's going to be slightly different. Well, the key is you don't know the details, right? If Even if we knew Carl was getting shot... Because we saw in the trailer, you know, Rick running with a boy up to the farm. You know they get to the farm because it's obviously there. You just don't know the sort of details, step one, step two, step three, on their way there. Yeah, didn't he say that, uh, you know, in the comic book, uh, they revealed what was in the barn right away? Like, no, you can't sleep in the barn. That's where we keep the zombies. Right. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Uh, okay. Whereas in the television show, it's slightly different. Yeah. It was a discovery process. It was a discovery process. For zombies. But I think it was interesting, you know? It was cool to... To think of it that way, whereas, yeah, sure, we know what's going to happen, kind of, but we don't really. Yeah. And we can still be surprised by it. I think that was 
the point and pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The other thing about Kirkman talking about the comic, it kind of brought me back around to it a little bit. I don't know about you, but, you know, we've talked about it. I was feeling a little underwhelmed with the 100th episode, uh, issue of the comic. I felt like it was a bit more of the same. I was a little down on the comic lately, mm-hmm. even though I still enjoy it and I'm still reading it. But sitting, hearing there, uh, sitting there hearing Kirkman talk about it, he just obviously he obviously puts everything he has into this thing, you know? I mean, the TV show's great, and he works on it, but I got the feeling the comic is really his primary focus still. And I don't know, that, that, that brought me back into it a little bit. I felt excited again about reading the comic and seeing where it's going to go from here on. Did you start at the beginning and read them all again? No, no, but I recently <laughs> bought hardcover book seven, and I've started reading that one, so that's the oh, second that's time through those. That's good. It's just, you know, I, I wasn't sure that I really wanted to, you know, I wasn't sure that going ahead from number 100 was really going to interest me that much. But I'm, I'm back on board now after listening to him talk about oh, that's it. That's good. So he, he won me over for sure. You should write him a letter. I should actually and say, look, I'm back on board. Yeah. <laughs> Don't screw it up. <laughs> that won't be confusing at all. Don't put any context around it. Yeah. That's, that, that's right. it. That's the entire love, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be like, okay, good. All right. <laughs> glad, glad I didn't lose it. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else about the featurettes? I, I, I was going to move on to some of the deleted scenes now. I can't think of anything, so let's uh, move on. Okay, so deleted scenes. There was a number of interesting ones here. First of all, um, there was one. We can, we can talk about the, the whole additional opening to season one in a, in a minute, but let's go through some of the others first. So there was a deleted scene where Dale was on the highway, all by himself, in one of the cars, talking to a car radio. <laughs> this was weird. It was a little I weird. I am glad they cut this one because it, it felt strange to have him talking, like actually addressing the guy on the radio. What, you don't do that? No, not really. Oh, not, I do. Not really. You do. I, I talk to the TV. I talk to the radio. <laughs> I yell at people on the road. Well, the idea here was that uh, I, on the commentary for this one, Mazara said the original, there was a whole plot line originally included with um, this crazy, you know, religious radio host who was still broadcasting at this point, probably only in a small local area. Right. Um, and it was kind of like he was broadcasting to our group of characters. Right. More than, you know, than sort of the world at large. And it always seems that way, doesn't it? Well, it always seems that way. The best, uh, the best radio hosts are the ones that feel like they're talking to you. That's right. <laughs> um, so, anyways, uh, the, the plot line was that he was there, and eventually our group might actually go and seek this person out or try to find him. All of that was cut, but this was one of the scenes that was part of that plot line. Now, maybe it was a little bit out of context, you know, because it wasn't in an episode, but it felt weird. I didn't like Dale sitting there talking to that, uh, that radio host. Hmm. Didn't like it at all. Now, a scene I did like oh. was where uh, Maggie and Glenn are sitting in the farmhouse looking through her high school yearbook for pictures of Randall or information about Randall. Right. I don't know what it was. I liked that. I thought it, was, I thought it made total sense. Well, it does make sense. It's a very couple kind of thing to do. It, well, and it's also a coupley kind of thing to do when you've got a mystery guy locked up in your barn, right. and you don't know if you can trust him. Well, yeah, that's that's true. <clears throat> um, I have my yearbooks, and I go through them every uh, ten years or so. Yeah, I pulled mine out just the other day because we were cleaning out some stuff, and there they were. You going to sell them in your garage sale? No, no, I'm not. 
I don't know who would buy those. Well, they're all signed, right? You got them all signed by classmates and such? Yep. Yeah, that's valuable stuff right there. Absolutely. You might get a whole quarter for one of them. Oh, maybe. <laughs> and then someone will use it to start a fire <laughs> in their backyard. See? Now you're helping people. So I just like the scene. I thought it made a lot of sense. Like, why wouldn't they go, once they find out he went to school with her, why wouldn't they go look him up and be like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, that guy? You know, it made a lot of sense. I assume it was just cut for time, really more than anything else. They still print yearbooks or they put everything on Facebook now? I imagine they still print yearbooks, but we've been out of high school for a long time, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, I just think we've gone into a completely digital age and just like, why would I buy a yearbook? I just Facebook. Yeah, yearbook on Facebook. If they're not doing it, somebody's going to now. Yeah, well, there's a whole industry around taking photos and uh, printing yearbooks and getting them signed. But that's exactly what Facebook is all about, right? Yeah, it kind of is. You write on somebody's wall, blah, 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 his pleasure's here, I hope, see, don't keep in touch, blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever. <laughs> that's what all the comments in mine looked like. Blah, 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 see you later. I think that's what I wrote in everybody's yearbook. Blah, 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 good luck. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they were happy to know you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I liked that one. Um, I liked the very quick scene of Glenn taking Maggie up on her offer to go up and live in her room. I don't know. The pro- the promise of what was to come maybe is what I got excited about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty old man. Yeah, what are you going to do? Um, and then there was one with Dale telling Lori to be Rick's conscience and sort of whisper in his ear about the right thing to do regarding Randall, but... I mean, it sort of probably extended to a lot of things. Well, that's but you know that's right within character. It is. She declines to do that in this deleted scene, but as we know, kind of goes and does it anyway. Right? Right? That's why they deleted it. It's like, well, this kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. We don't need to see Dale telling her to do this because she's. We're going to show people her doing it. Yeah, and then you know her denying it and then doing it, and it's just like, yeah, why add to the confusion? Yeah, it's true. That's true. <laughs> people might just not get it. Um. So that's that. And then the final thing about deleted scenes that I thought was really cool, Greg Nicotero. Now, this actually didn't come in a deleted scene. It came in a zombie Easter egg that I found on the disc, which is kind of cool. It was like five minutes of him just talking about zombies, pretty much, and showing scenes. But the helicopter and the herd creation that we saw in the finale at the very beginning was shot for use in the premiere they never used it and decided to put it in the finale. Wow. I, I thought, thought that was uh, very contiguous. It looked uh, it looked like it was done. Uh, I thought they did a very good job of going back and and filming that and looking like it was uh, it was done during the pilot. Oh yeah. But uh, I'm glad to hear that they uh, they did that. I thought that it makes was a lot more cool. sense. It makes way more sense, especially because they cut out <clears> that whole scenario from the uh, premiere of season 2, but neat that they can do that, you know, shoot something for an episode 12 episodes earlier and use it in the end. It's neat that I could use contiguous in a sentence. That is cool, too. (laughs) (laughs) And it might even be properly used. It might. Who knows? Who knows, really? Someone will tell us. Um, So let's talk about the the unused opening for uh, the season a little bit. All right. So we've seen the whole thing now, and this includes the two scenes that were released online. Right. Plus a whole Mm. bunch more stuff of them actually kind of living and getting organized inside the Vato's former compound. Right. What did you think about it? Uh, I think cutting it was the right thing to do. I thought that, uh, yeah, I, I, it, I didn't get a lot more from it than uh, than what we saw, that w- what was released online. Yeah. I didn't see the uh, um, observant thing when uh, 
uh, what's his name was pointing at his head saying observant. What do you mean you didn't see it? I didn't see it when it was online. Oh, okay. I saw it. This is the first time I saw it. We, we talked about it. You mentioned it, but we did. This is the first time I saw Daryl actually say that. I'm like, yeah. It didn't work, did it? No, it doesn't work. And I didn't. Uh, I'm this whole scene, this whole series of events. I wasn't didn't quite feel right about it, and was kind of glad that they uh, that they left it on the cutting room floor. Well, some of the things that Mazara said in the commentary for it. Now, this is the footage we now know that came back and was considered unusable. Remember when Frank yep. Darabont got got let go, there was this unusable footage that we sort of mysterious unusable footage that we didn't know about. It's well, weird that they would put it on the DVD. I, a little bit, but I guess they're just trying to show here's what we were going to do, you know, but we decided not to and it worked out for the best, but you know, it's when I heard the word unusable back then, I automatically thought, well, it's just so bad. Like it doesn't look good or something about it is no good and they can't use it in a TV show. Right. But it's not that. It's that it doesn't work within the context of the show, so therefore, or the storyline, so therefore it's unusable. Right. And um, really what he spoke about was that it seemed confusing for new viewers. He said it felt more like an episode from season one than the start of season two because they're back in an area where they were in season one right every they know that they're going to have new viewers starting the season right and this episode didn't give those viewers an opportunity to sort of get you know into the show properly right because they've gone back they're rehashing old scenes and old information as well right? Mm -hmm. like if you didn't have the original information this seems kind of out of place exactly Where, where are they what are they doing here and you know, he also said that the scene where they were shooting, where the first one they got there and they sort of, the walkers are alerted to their presence and Rick says, screw the noise and they start shooting them. He said that, and he said very rightly that you feel, you don't feel, um, you almost feel sympathetic for those zombies in that scene. And the living, like the living people are the threat against the zombies here. Yeah. And he was totally right. I didn't think of that when we saw that scene out of context, but they show up, they kind of sneak in. There's all these zombies eating dead bodies. Peaceably. Yeah, just having a nice time. They walk in, the zombies see them, they stand up, they're very slowly coming towards them. Everybody's heavily armed. You know, they've got all kinds of weapons. And Rick says, screw it. And they all just start shooting. Ten headshots later and those zombies are all dead. There was never any danger to our, our living characters here. Yep. And you do almost feel sympathetic for the zombies. That, that and he said, is a this very good point. Doesn't work because, you know, the living people are very dangerous in this world, but only against other living people. The zombies are supposed to be the danger for the living. Right. So it, it, this guy's a smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a, that's a very good point. I hadn't considered that. Mazara. So yeah, you feel sympathetic for the zombies. Weird. Um, it also didn't feel like the characters were desperate enough. He said they got there. You know, they were, they they quickly cleared out those zombies. They got in there. They're sitting around talking. They don't really know what to do, but you also just don't get the feeling that they're they're clinging or looking for something or desperate for anything. They have some food. Yeah, they're all well good. fed. They're well showered. They're fresh from a, a place that blew up. That uh, you know got them all fed and showered and stuff. So they're all relaxed and they show up and they go, okay, we'll kill some zombies, whatever. Yeah, and they hang out for a while. It's like, look, all our friends are dead. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that interesting? Look around there. Yeah, I knew that guy. I knew that guy. He's dead now lying there. Past the crackers. And they and they realized that it was done by some sort of marauders, as he called them, not zombies. 
but they don't seem too worried. They just move in anyways. Yeah. You know, these people might still be nearby. Who knows? They just kind of get there and that's it. So none of it made any sense within the context of the show or the start of a new season or anything like that. And, you know, watching, listening to his commentary gave me great confidence that he knows what he's doing. Good. Not that I, I did, didn't, not that I thought he didn't already because he's clearly, you know, done some good stuff, but obviously he saw this and was like, nope, none of this works at all. We got to go in a totally different direction. Good, good, good. So it was really good. Um, so let's see. Commentary from the finale. Mazara said he wanted to see naked zombies, something yeah. like that. <laughs> he wanted to see more <laughs> naked zombies, but it was too cold. <laughs> right. <laughs> if it was warmer, we'd have had people stripped down, but, you know, it's cold. <laughs> uh, so he, he was thinking of that uh, the opening sequence in uh, Zombieland when the stripper was running oh. out of the... Uh, there was the music playing, and the stripper right. was running out of the... Uh, in run- super slow-mo. Super slow-mo. Yes. Yeah, that, that's what he was thinking of, but uh, I don't think AMC would have aired that. <laughs> well, they might have aired that, but it would have been gratuitous. Well, it's gratuitous, but that was the whole point in uh, Zombieland, was the fact sure. that it was you know, absolutely gratuitous. In Zombieland, that works just fine. It works just fine, but stripper zombies in uh, the land of The Walking Dead uh, really doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. But you never know. Uh, the Hyundai, when Glenn and uh, Maggie are driving away from the farm, it had some blood all over it. And he said, that car's not supposed to have blood on it. That's probably um, an arrangement with their product placement. Right. The car can be there, but nobody gets, you know, killed on it. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can't, yeah, no blood on the car. I thought that was interesting, too. Because that just puts an image of car accident in your brain, right? Right. And you blood don't want that. You don't want your car associated with an image of car accident. No, that would be bad. But they did it anyway, I guess. Or they, they missed it, and it snuck in there by accident. Or they snuck in there by accident, and they realized it, and it's like, oh, we better clean that up as an oops in the commentary. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe Hyundai said, uh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, you better uh, say oops in the commentary, or we're uh, going to sue you. We're pulling it. Or they did sue them, and that was part of the settlement. Right. <laughs> Just let people know in the commentary. Yeah. Um, that was cool. The uh, Apparently, the very end of the finale where they're sitting around the campfire mm-hmm. after just, you know, just before the end was shot on the first or second day. Cool. Of shooting for that episode. So really out of order. I mean, I, they have to they for that, that because yeah. the barn burning is such a big thing. I mean, they that gotta, was their last day. That was the last day, the last four nights, I believe. Um, yeah, they, I guess they do the easy stuff and then they do the giant barn explosion. Apparently it was very cold <clears throat> and the, the grass was ice and, uh, Daryl, what's his name? Uh, Norman, Norman Reedus. Reedus. Thank you. Uh, was worried about driving his motorbike on icy grass, mm-hmm. but uh, apparently they uh, they warmed it up for him so he could have a little bit of traction and wouldn't fall down. Because the last thing you want is for Norman, Re- Norman Reedus to break something so that he can't do what Norman Reedus does and make the cash that Norman, Re- Norman Reedus makes <laughs> so that you'd have to pay him the cash that Norman Reedus would normally make. To not have him. Yes, I see yeah. that. You don't want him to hurt himself. He's an important part of this show. Yep. And other <clears throat> ventures. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, that was kind of cool. And the, un- the, the only other thing I think I, I made a note of here is that um, the finale for season two didn't really end the way they originally wrote. Apparently, they wrote the finale with them actually getting overrun by zombies in the forest, fleeing the scene, finding the prison, um, 
you know, and I think the idea was you weren't really sure if they were going to get through the gate and make it to safety or not. And that was going to be your cliffhanger, more of an action cliffhanger than, um, I don't know, the whatever the cliffhanger we got was. What do you call that? Uh, dramatic kumb- cliffhanger. Kumbaya. A dramatic, let's go with dramatic cliffhanger. <laughs> sitting around a fire singing campfire songs. And apparently, yeah, a camp out. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, the change was made at AMC's request. Glenn Mazzara's actual quote was, they wanted something more existential, which right. is a strange word to describe it, but they wanted something that was, I guess, just a little more vague than that. Yeah. Than Life is shit. Thing. It's all shit. If you don't think it's shit, then... You're crazy. We'll show you this prison. We don't know if they're going to find their way there. Which you know? actually kind of makes sense to me because in the uh, in the vein of the uh, the opening the original opening sequence of season two, it's too much of season one. Having them get to the prison is probably too much of season three. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You got to pull back a little bit and say, no, we got to draw the line here. This is where the end of season two is. You can show them the prison and say. Oh, Oh, they're going to get there. That's cool because that leads into the comic book. You know what's going to happen. It gets all the, the viewers that know the comic book excited. It gets the people that don't know the comic book uh, to go, hey, what the hell? That mm-hmm. looks like a safe place, right? It's uh, Everybody gets on board. Yeah. Away you go. I like it. I, I actually like it much better than what the original planned idea sounded like anyways. I agree. All right. Um, only one other note, and that's uh, on the commentary from the premiere episode. Apparently, they considered having a zombie baby strapped into one of the cars on the highway. I I, I can't see them doing that. I, I, yeah, I can't see them getting away with that. Uh, an actual zombie baby? Like, or just because a lot of those people were just dead. Yeah, Kirkman talked. He, he put it to rest once and for all that these people were not uh, zombies because they had had some sort of head trauma in their car accidents, I guess. Right. And that's why. He also pointed out that there are an awful lot of empty cars on that highway. So a lot of those people got up and walked away. Right, because in their previous lives, they know how to get in and out of cars, right? So they can just of course. get out of the car and go because everybody knows that. Yeah. But the ones that were still there, everyone was like, how come they're not zombies? But it's because they had head trauma. Now, um, babies are very well protected in cars with car seats. They and are. Such. Um, infant car seats, even to older kid car seats. So it would be less likely for a baby to experience severe head trauma in right. an accident. <clears throat> Nor would it be possible for a baby to get out of their car seat. Obviously not. Because they're not used to being able to get out of their own car seats. No, the idea is they can't. Yeah. <laughs> Even older kids. So zombie baby makes sense. It does, but I think it's just a little bit too across the line. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. I wouldn't have wanted to see that, to be honest with you. It probably never left the... Uh, the producer's room where they were talking about stuff. They didn't even, they probably didn't even get it to the point where they would give it to a writer to see yeah. what they can come up with. Yeah. I, like, what do you think? Zombie baby? Yeah, it makes sense. We can't do that. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just sounds, I don't know. It would just be too horrifying and upsetting to see even like a, like a two year old strapped into a car seat as a zombie, just going like this. And then, you know, they're going to have to do something about it. So uh, you, you remember in train spotting, You've seen train yeah, spotting. Yeah. You remember they had the the you know, there was a dead baby scene. Spoiler for train spotting. Uh, <laughs> You're supposed to say that before you spoil it. No, no, I always spoil after the fact. Oh, right, I, okay. I, I spoiler warning afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Go back in time. It's and, my thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so train spotting, that was nineteen ninety something, so you know, go watch it. I hated that movie when I first saw it, but I can appreciate it now. Yeah, well, that's a gonna have to 
talk to you about that later. That, okay. That's that's just crazy talk. No, anyway, there was a dead baby, and then the baby shows up later when he's uh, trying to get off heroin. The baby shows up on the ceiling, crawling along the ceiling, and his head turns all the way around. Right. right? I recall. That's freaky, mm-hmm. right? That's a scary scene. And uh, so you might be able to get away with it in a movie that's all about heroin addiction. Uh, but in a television show, I'm not sure you can get away with that. Babies in uh, TV shows or movies make me um, make me nervous almost no matter what is going on on the show. Right. Usually, I guess there's in the scene there's some sort of potential, and I have an example in my head, but it's it's about another TV show that I don't really want to even approach because it could be a spoiler, but. Usually, scenes involving babies. You bastard. <laughs> um, I just figured it out, and I don't like the fact that you spoiled that. No, I did not. I didn't say anything. <laughs> All right. Anyways, usually these, these scenes involve some sort of potential for something bad to happen to the baby. Yeah. And it always, always makes me, in my mind, be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Knowing very well that they're you know, very likely not going to do it. They're not going to go for it because it's a baby and they don't want to show something terrible happen to a baby, but it still makes me tense and nervous. Right. And, uh, yeah, I just don't like to see it. It's not a fun, it's not a fun feeling sort of, you know, like watching a horror movie, you might get nervous, you might get tense, frightened. That's kind of fun because that's what you're there for. Not so much with babies. Okay. So I, first of all, I have a a hard time with my uh, willful suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. So when there is stuff like you're talking about, uh, I know everything's fine because they're not going to harm a real baby, right? Uh, right, but I can't get the, like, just the visual, uh, the potential visual of it is what I don't want to see. Right. And I have a problem with that. My biggest <laughs> problem with, uh, sorry, I just whacked the microphone and smashed it into my face. Uh, my biggest problem with uh, children in television show and shows and movies is what they're actually showing the actors, Right when you have a, a horror movie or uh, some kind of you know mature adult situation, and you have a child introduced into that, you have to be very careful. Because uh, and I worry about what what are they doing to that baby? Like babies, they make them cry, right? So you have to have a crying baby in a scene. You know, it's very upsetting because you know they're making that baby cry in order to have uh, you know that scene go the way they want it to go. It's like they're they're sure their mother is probably four four feet away. But uh, it's you know I just I worry about what they're putting these kids through in real life. Do you think in order to get the get the inf- get the scene the way they want? Do you it. think they? I mean, do you think they not just sort of wait? Most babies cry eventually. Well, yeah, you hang on to the baby until it needs something, and the mother's right there, and it's just like I'm hungry. Mom's right there. Yeah, or or I just crapped my pants. I mean, worst case, the baby sits with a dirty diaper for a couple of takes. But yeah, I can see your point. I mean, I hope they're not poking it hard to make it cry or well, something. Well, I sure hope not. Yeah. I mean, they Jesus. have the SPCA there whenever you have an animal on, on scene, but does it, I guess they don't have an equivalent organization for babies. The I don't babies know. Act, the Baby Actors <laughs> Union. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's there watching over the baby to make sure that they don't get hurt. I, I'm thinking of a scene uh, in another television show that... Uh, <laughs> that you're not going to mention, like me? That I'm not going to mention, and you're not going to have any idea what I'm talking about, but... Uh, uh, I, I'm not going to mention the show, so this is not really a spoiler, uh, where uh, somebody actually holds a gun, a prop gun, to a baby's head, right? And that's upsetting because they're really holding a prop gun to a baby's head. But right? it's a prop gun. And the baby's wailing and crying and stuff. I and mean, I know that, but it's still, it's like, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> You're trying to... Th- 
It's like, you can't do that. You can't do that. That's, you know, if it was a toddler or something, that would even be worse because they're able to understand what's going on. True. Right? And But not fully. Not enough, yeah. Not enough. So, you know, a baby, so that's the kind of thing that I have a problem with. It's the reality aspect to it. The the fictional aspect to it I don't really have a problem with because I know uh, even if they show something that's happening that's bad, chances are they're not really killing a real baby. Right. So what about in, in the... In the <laughs> no in babies the... died in the <laughs> filming of this television show. Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> uh, so what about in the, in the pilot in season one when Rick walks up right at the beginning and, and shoots... Um, uh, the little girl. The little girl, yeah. With the teddy bear. Yeah, I was trying to think of her real name, which it wasn't coming to me right now, but... Well, that kind of bothered me, but she was probably old enough and uh, was probably older than she looked... Right, yep. and they didn't. Uh, they probably when they they didn't show her and Rick together in the same shot, right? So they probably got her to just you know say, okay, now fall backwards, but throw your head, kind of thing, and then they put in the gunshot later, right? They didn't actually point a weapon at her. I am almost positive that they never had a scene where you saw him pointing a weapon at the little girl. Yeah, you may be right about that. It's been a while since I've watched that episode. And when you watch television shows and there's like a, a very mature subject or something's going on, you never have the child in the shot where they're talking to the child, uh, where they're giving them horrifying information, right? Right? Because they film them separately. They film the child's reaction uh, and they tell them whatever story they need in order to get the reaction out of them. But then the real information is given when that child is not in the room anywhere. Right. That okay. kind of thing I can handle, Right. All right. Uh, but it's when you hold a gun to a baby's head that it's, it's disturbing for me. It's a little upsetting. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, all right. So anything else about the Walking Dead DVDs? I think that's all I've got. The, the only thing is uh, I thought of something about the, uh, uh, the featurettes is the, uh, the whole scene about how they filmed the, uh, the teabag zombie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, about uh, filming it on uh, on location a little bit and then in the studio with this big uh, pipe and about the dude in the suit. <clears throat> yeah, it, it was a, like a young guy. Yeah, in, he was a suit. prop guy. You'd think he'd be like an older guy, but no, he was the prop guy. But boy, it did not look fun to wear that suit. I'm sure it was fine because, okay, first of all, it's full of water, right? It had a whole bunch of water balloons. Uh, yeah. Right. So it's heavy, sure. And then he said, uh, you know, if, when he was in it for a very long time, he was standing in water, and it was cool. It kept cooling him off. That's true. That was in the uh, that was in the, um, the the set in the studio, though. Right. When they were on location, the thing is, the water in the suit would regulate his temperature. It would take a long time for that water to heat up, so it probably kept him cool for a long time. I guess so, uh, to a certain degree. I bet, didn't they say though it was the hottest day of the year? Yeah, it, it did. But we, you know, when you're out there in your t-shirt and whatever, uh, you know, your body feels the heat right away. This guy was covered from head to toe, yeah, right. And he had a mask on and this big bodysuit on with all this water. So it took a long time for that water to heat up to get to him, right? So he's probably protected for a, a good, goodly portion of the day. That's true. They showed they showed him uh, they showed them feeding him water through a straw too. Yeah, in the mouth of that thing. And His tongue was awesome. Oh, <laughs> I it was. The- Kind of nasty. Everybody <laughs> was touching it with their fingers. Just yeah. Like, <laughs> and uh, um, Iron E, T-Dog, was there. Like, he was the one standing beside the well when they pulled him out, and he was the one that chopped him in the head. Yeah. He almost lost his lunch. He felt sick. Like, I don't blame the guy, though. Like, that, I'm, that he looked so nasty. nasty. Yeah. Exactly. 
but it was interesting to see how they shot that. Yeah. It was kind of fun to see that they built like a four-story well or whatever in a studio, and yeah. that's how they lowered Glenn down into it and, and stuff. It looked pretty pretty cool. It looked like a lot of fun. It's amazing how much how much goes into that like one scene, you know? Yep. No wonder these things are so expensive. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so overall, um, to bring it first full circle, Dale from Maryland was giving Kirkman a second chance on his commentaries. I thought Kirkman was reasonably good on the commentaries too. Yep. He did have interesting things to say. He didn't stick out. He didn't stick out. He made some goofy jokes here and there, but that's okay. They all did once in a while. Oh, yeah. And uh, overall, I think the DVD package is pretty solid. I can't really compare it to season one because I must admit I haven't put those DVDs in probably since we reviewed the, those like a year ago. Right. Yeah. So um, I don't remember the special features on it that well. But overall, this is a reasonably solid package. Yeah. I mean, as far as, uh, you know, commentaries and deleted scenes and uh, featurettes and such, you know, I'm not a big uh, a, a big watcher of those things like i rarely rarely watch a commentary track and even deleted scenes i find it uh it, it does take me out of the show too much yeah so I, I tend not to watch these things i think well after the fact like this is not as big a deal but yeah i uh well with this show we're so uh, behind the scenes anyway right well that's true we talk about uh, all kinds of stuff that are not actually just you know part of the uh uh, the actual fictional show proper, so I, I don't have a problem with that. But I, I know other shows where I have watched behind the, behind the scenes and uh, deleted scenes and such. It actually takes me away from the show, so I tend to steer clear. It's amazing that we can continue to enjoy it being this close to it, well, even, it, even though we're not even that close to it. In for a penny, in for a pound. I mean, as, as soon as you jump in, jump jump into this kind of thing, you're you're in so far that it, it's got a different level of enjoyment. I find that's true. You're very right. So you know, if it was if it's if it skirts that edge where you know you watch the show, I really like that show, and you watch a deleted scene, it's like well, then you know blah blah blah, or you watch a commentary, and it's like yeah, that took away from the show. But here, you're we're so far into it that uh, everything adds, nothing takes away. We are fully engrossed. Yes. And if you out there listening are fully engrossed and have anything to say about the DVD commentary, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or give us a call on the Zomb line at 1-866-483-ZOMB. We are going to take a short break to thank the sponsor for this episode. When we come back, we'll be talking about Telltale's The Walking Dead, Episode 3. Stay tuned for that and don't go anywhere. We get high in backseats of cars We break into mobile homes We go to sleep to shake a beer Never wake up on our own And that's the way we get by To where we get by All that's the way we get by To where we get by For you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Jason, recommend a book for the fine people. I'm going to recommend a book that I finished this morning on Audible. (laughs) It's like two a week with you, man. (laughs) I'm going through them fast. It's really kind of scary. Uh, This one is the, uh, the second installment of the Thrawn trilogy. It's Star Wars, The Dark Force Rising. Uh, the Thrawn Trilogy, Book 2 by Timothy Zahn. Last week we recommended the first one. Yeah. So you're, you're on to the second one now. Just finish the second one. 
You are a powerful, audible reader. I'm going to start the third one on my way home tonight. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, this guy, uh, his name is Mark Thompson. He does a great job. He does, uh, and he does a reasonable impression of all the characters. So he does Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and uh, Princess Leia, even Chewbacca a little bit, and uh, even Admiral Akbar. That's Which I believe said something about a trap at some point. I thought it was great. It's something about a trap. It's a trap. I don't know. <laughs> it's great. It's a trap. <laughs> he even did the Emperor once. Oh, that's cool. He only has one line and it keeps getting repeated, but uh, he did a pretty good job. With the <laughs> so he did it once and they replayed it. <laughs> that's well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> kill Luke Skywalker. There you go. There. Even I did a really horrible impression. Uh, yeah, so what, are the, what am I talking about here? I'm talking about uh, Star Wars Dark Force Rising, the Thrawn Trilogy, book two. And uh, how long did I listen to this for? 14 hours, 56 minutes in the last week. That's amazing, man. <laughs> um, to download your free audiobook or any one of their 100,000 other titles, go to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash talkingdead for your free audiobook. We believe in the sound of ourselves. Okay, we're back, and it is time to talk about Telltale's The Walking Dead, Episode 3. Oh, yeah. So it's been out for a couple of weeks now. I've had a chance to play through Episode 3 twice. As uh, Twice? If, yep. If you've been listening, you will know that I'm playing two games, trying out alternate decisions <clears throat> as right. I go. Right, right, right. Um, you've played through once. I you've have. just got the single game going. Uh, but let's start with... Um, with an email here from Mike in North Carolina. He writes, just got done playing part three for the second time. The beginning was promising, but it just kind of trailed off. I understand it's really just an interactive comic. I just hate how no matter how you play, it's the same outcome with just different characters. Now, this is a complaint, or at least a point, that we have made when talking about the other two episodes, Mm -hmm. in that the decisions don't seem to have that much weight or that much you know effect on the on the game itself but i gotta tell you i thought in this episode that was far far less of a problem than it was in the first two really i thought this episode number three was head and shoulders above the other two it was fan freaking tastic in my opinion i thought it was good i you know, I'm, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to rank it in, amongst the other two episodes. I think uh, they are getting better. I liked episode one. I liked episode two better, and I think I like this one better than the other two. Okay. Except that this one was, you know, pardon the fact it was uh, took place. You know, a lot of it took place on a train. It was very linear. <laughs> Zing, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, but they're they are sort of linear. I mean, you go from scene to scene to scene here. But I thought this one was so much better. I, it How was so? more dramatic. Um, for if, well, first, if I have to rank them, I would say this one was the best. Number one was second, and the second and number two was the worst of the three so far, in my opinion. This one, though, I thought everything about it was better. I thought the storyline was more interesting. Just It was something new that we haven't really seen before in the whole Walking Dead universe, right? right? Um it was more entertaining. It was more engaging for the player. 
the decisions seemed to me to feel like they had more weight behind them and they just affected it a little bit more. Or if not affecting the outcome of the game, they just felt like they were more important. And that's, that's, a, that's a, I think, a testament to the writing of this chapter of the story. Um, I don't think I really want to spoil this one like we have the other two. Okay. Because I'm sorry I said there was a train. No, we know there's a train in the uh, in the trailer. Yeah, but last time you said yes, there is a train in the trailer. Okay, well that's fine. There's a train. Don't worry about that. Some of the bigger decisions, I don't think I don't think we, I want to spoil this time because I think they're new. I think they're they're different from what we've seen in other Walking Dead properties, and that extends to all the different properties, not just this game. Um, and uh, and and I, I liked it quite a bit. So well, you know, okay. I'm, I'm really happy. I, I they've they've you know, improve the quality. So you've played more than once. Yes. And each time you play, uh, you make different choices, mm-hmm. right? So did they have more variability in the storylines in this episode? I would say a little bit. Um, not an, not a great deal, but, you know, and now maybe to me, for me, it's come down to that I've kind of gotten used to that or I've sort of, I'm sort of expecting it. I don't know. I mean, that could be it totally, but... I felt like there was a little bit more change in what happened. I thought that uh, in the in the uh, the risk of spoiling something, uh, I thought that it seemed like they're killing off the variable characters. Um, yeah. So yeah, that maybe. Uh, in you know in episodes down the road, they don't have to have such a wide variety of what happens, right? The, the, the characters that were can either be alive or dead, if they kill them all off and start over with characters that can be either alive or dead, you have more options, uh, sorry, less options, and uh, it's a little more constrained in having to hire the voice actors to go and do their parts. Right, but see, the way I saw it is I felt like we're deeper into the story now. We're three out of five chapters, and I felt like the decisions that you made even in the first chapter and the second chapter have had more influence on what was happening now than they did before, you know? Like maybe because we're deeper in, they've had more time to flesh things out a little bit, right? Right. Um, if you let a character survive in see, in the first episode, um, that character may or may not still be with you in this one and moving forward. So, yeah, I, I know what you mean, but... Uh, I don't know. It felt it felt better to me, and I I, I liked it a lot more. I think the uh, as far as the decisions, I you know I got to admit that I was a little disheartened with uh, the fact that I felt like my decisions didn't really mean a whole lot story wise. Sure, whatever characters were alive at any given time uh, did were impacted by my decisions. So in this one, I decided to play a little game. Every time uh, a decision came up, I always clicked the B button on the uh, on the the gamepad. Okay. So I always chose B for every every decision that uh, had to be made. When you went through conversations, you can choose. I'd have to choose other ones to actually do stuff. Yeah, yeah. But every time there was a decision of uh, you know of what I do, I always chose B. So in conversation, when you had a timed conversation, yeah, you always went with B. That's correct. Okay, because there are other decisions where you have to choose one thing over another. If there was an option that had a B in it, or was was tied to the B, okay. I chose B. All right. It was one that was either X or B. I chose B. So you're no longer going with what I don't, I don't what you think is right or what you want to do, what you think works for the storyline. I was all over the map in the first two episodes anyway. Like right. I, I never felt like I had a you know either a moral or an amoral 
character. I never felt like I had that kind of, uh, you know, the dark side versus the light side mm-hmm. options. Mm-hmm. Like there was never any options. And, you know, in, in some video games, they even highlight, if you chose, if you choose this, it's blue. So you're going to get good points. If you chose this, it's red and you're going to get bad points, which leads you to choose the, you know, the, uh, the choice that's a little more in line with your alignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this one, I didn't feel like that was, uh, I, there was no clear choices. And since they were all timed, it's all friggin' panic anyway, because it's just like I'm trying to read through them before the timer runs out and go, okay, which one's, you know, fits within my moral center? And I can't figure it out that fast. So it was all kind of random anyway. Uh, so this one, I just decided to, you know, forego the anxiety and just choose B. Well, you know, one thing. Um, regarding the cho- uh, some of the conversation choices, one thing I noticed about this one is there were there was more than one um, uh, there was more than one time when you they gave you more time to make your choice while other people continued the conversation around you. Like right. let's say most of the time you have ten seconds or whatever it is to make your choice in the conversation, and often people are standing there looking at you, waiting for your what you're going to choose. So you're looking at your watch, <clears throat> thinking about it. Uh. Yeah, exactly. You're thinking about it. But in this, I felt there were a bunch of times where stuff just kept happening. They popped up the the choices, the three or four choices for you in the conversation, gave you 60 seconds or whatever to to choose it, and you could actually watch the scene play out a little longer before you made your choice. And I right. thought that was really interesting too. That, is, that was good. You know, there were scenes where – there were scenes with uh, Kenny and his family and – Something was happening, and and you know they were arguing amongst themselves, maybe, and you were there, and you had to say something, but you, you know, I felt like I could wait and see sort of how their argument played out a little farther before I made my selection. Right. Okay. There was one point where I didn't choose choose B because I couldn't move forward in the storyline. I tried everything else on the planet, uh, or not on the planet, but within this game, in order to move forward in the plot line, and uh, I could not move forward until I chose A. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll tell you what it is off air, but uh, uh, that was the only time that I I didn't choose B. Okay, interesting. Um, The other thing I felt with this episode is that the the sort of exciting or action moments were great, and the quieter moments were equally good. I thought it was much more balanced. You know, in the second one, was it the second one? Yeah, it's the second one where you have to decide who to give the food to. Right. I thought that was kind of tedious, a little bit boring and it was. and like what's the point? I mean, I I know what the point is, but like do we re- do I really have to walk around and hand out food for it to make no difference at all within the game really? There was none of that in this one, I thought. There's there there are quiet moments when you're talking with Clementine or talking with other characters, and I just felt like they all fit and they all worked and nothing was ever boring or slow and you know, none of the puzzles were complicated, but this game is not about complicated puzzles. It just, no. it was just much more even and and entertaining. You remember Mist? You ever oh, Mist? well, the years ago, yeah. That was complicated. Well, sure, that's a whole different level. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, there. There was no, uh, there was no intuitive aspect to that game whatsoever. No, there no. was nothing even, you know, not even anything on the screen to indicate controls. No, you just figured it out. Can you can you believe that that was all just a series of still images, the whole game? It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Before that, we had games with no images, just descriptions oh, of where you were. Oh, those were fun, eh? Hitchhiker's Guide, man. Yeah, that was good times. So anyways, this one, um, much more even, way more entertaining. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was really good, and I hope the final two are as good as this one. I will choose A next time. 
all right, just see what happens. <laughs> well, yeah, and even uh, there was even problems where I would choose an option, like in the previous two episodes, I would choose an option that I thought fit within the moral center of what I was trying to make this character be, mm-hmm. when in fact that's not the way it turned out. Right, right. It kind of there was some misleading because they uh, the, the, what you say isn't exactly what is printed next to the uh, to the button you press right well it's pretty close though it's pretty close but i thought i was uh, i was taken aback by the choices sometimes just like well i didn't mean to go that way i didn't mean it to uh when i chose that option i didn't think you were going to be an ass about it but oh. you know, lo and behold he was an ass about it he said it with a different tone he said it with a different tone it did not <laughs> properly portray the moral option i wanted i did notice that once or twice um with one of my with a couple of my selections but it didn't really bother me. It it bothered me to the point where I wanted to get rid of that stress altogether by you know just clicking ch- click B. I don't have a choice. I don't have to stress about this, and I don't think it really impacts the game at all. So I'm just going to choose B for everyone, and uh, I, I I may have enjoyed the game more because of it. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, I certainly recommend this chapter. I think it's the best one of the three. Um, and. Uh, yeah, that's it. I think I think go out and play it for sure. If you were a little disheartened by the first two, like we were, go out and play this one. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, pretty much everyone I've spoken to and everything I've read about this, people love all of these games. So um, I don't think we're going to have any trouble, you know, with people not playing this one because they didn't like the first two. <laughs> I really like the aspect of uh, getting uh, on a train, and there is a train, and the train moves, and you have to get it moving, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that was fun. I've always wanted, was, I kind of always wanted to be an engineer, a train. It was really conductor. fun, and I thought once you were going down the tracks, there that would be it. You'd get going, and the thing would be over. But it's not. More stuff happens. Yeah. So uh, that's a clickety clackety. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so fun, good times. I don't know when number four comes out, but hopefully, probably sometime in October. I would think so. I'm going to say we'll be done by Christmas, right? Oh yeah, 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 okay. for sure. And then they're going to do a whole second game. Cool. So that'll be exciting. All righty, let's do some of this before we wrap it up. Listener feedback. All right, a quick update before we get into listener feedback. A few episodes ago, we talked about a discrepancy we found in the comic book. That was pointed out to us. Uh, Sorry, that was pointed out to us by one of our listeners, where at Michonne's first appearance, she comes up to the prison. She They decide to let her in, but not her zombies. So she... uh, Cuts their heads off. Cuts their heads off, and they fall to the ground. And in the next panel, you see her um, taking the buckles off their necks, and they have arms. Right. Mysterious arms that suddenly grew back. Funny arms. They didn't have them before. Nope. So we went looking, and, uh, well, Jason, you went looking. What did you discover? Okay, so we, we did look in the book. So book two, in fact, did have this panel where the uh, where the zombies had arms. Hardcover book two. Hardcover book two. And then somebody pointed out that, uh, in fact, in the um, trade paperbacks, they didn't have arms. Right. So they corrected it. So I went back. I have all the trade paperbacks. So I went back to, uh, I forget which book it was. I think it was three. Uh, I found the, the first you know appearance of Michonne, and I went through it. And sure enough, uh, in the panel, the same, very same panel, everything was exactly the same, except that there were no <laughs> arms on those zombies. So it looks like they printed it in the uh, in the comic book with the arms. The original issue. The original issue. They went, oh, crap. 
And then for the the release of the trade paperbacks, they went and they got their little pencil eraser and they erased it out and, and fixed it up and made it all look pretty and then released it. And then when they came time to print out the books, they just went back to the original issue and said, okay, put it together, send it out. So the books got the original uh, panel. Interesting that they would go back to the original incorrect panel for the hardcover. Well, I think it was just, uh, I don't think they thought about it. I thought it was just, uh, it, my impression is that there are people in offices that do this kind of thing, right? They right. compile this information for whatever. So we now have two different versions. We have the original version, right? And then we have the uh, the trade paperback version, and somebody in there corrected it, right? right. Between those two versions. And when they went to, the, uh, to print the book, they probably went back to the original version and said, okay, print it, forgetting about the fact that they corrected it for the, uh, the trade paperback. Because you go back, so we now have the two versions. You go back to the original to, uh, to print the books. I don't know. I, I'd be surprised if they just sort of <clears throat> forgot. Like, I don't know, maybe they have interns doing this stuff and they got a new intern and he didn't know what he was doing. Or, or, or you know, maybe it was a conscious decision to be like, you know, here it is, reprinted it as a hardcover book in its original form. Like, you know, mistakes and all. I don't know. I, I, I'm more inclined to think that uh, large organizations, this kind of thing just falls through the cracks sometimes. You know, Robert Kirkman isn't George Lucas, who, you know, never wants anyone to ever see the original Star Wars trilogy again. Uh, Kirkman may be like, yeah, you know what? We put arms in there. No one caught it. Let's let's show I, it to people. I don't know. Way. Lucas also has, you know, quality control departments that go through this stuff with a fine-tooth comb. I guess. Right? <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure that Image Comics has the uh, the funding that Lucasfilm has in order to vet stuff that gets printed. That's true. So, you know, I've, I've worked for organizations, and I work for an organization where you're, you know, you, you try and, uh, you build things and you publish things, and people use things, and sometimes there are mistakes, and if you try and go back and uh, publish things again, sometimes you get the wrong version. Yeah, it happens. Uh, oh, I, it happens. I've seen it happen in my line of work too. Yeah, which so, is almost the same as your line of work. Almost <laughs> the same as my line of work. Neither <laughs> of which is printing. No, nope. no, it's not. <laughs> uh, so I'm inclined to think that uh, you know offices get busy and uh, they get people to do these things, and sometimes they grab the wrong version. And if nobody says, "Hey, don't forget about that panel where we had to erase the arms," they forget about the panel where they had to erase the arms. Well, one thing we could do is dig up a um, subsequent printing of the hardcover, because I think it's been printed more than once. Oh, that's a good idea. And see if those arms are there or not. That's a very good idea. So maybe we'll do that, and we'll continue to talk about this at a later date. One thing we will (laughs) not do is buy the original comic book version to check that out. No. I was at my local comic book shop, and I saw the the, the original, or the first issue where Michonne shows up for $500 Canadian. 500 bucks. Uh, You know what? That might even be a deal. It might even be a deal. Other issues around it are not 500 bucks. No. They're like 80 bucks. But with season three coming out and Michonne showing up. That thing will be worth 1500 soon. Yeah. So that's the the first appearance of Michonne. That's worth quite a bit of money. It jumped quite a bit because of the TV show in recent months. It's too bad you didn't have one to begin with. It really is. Yeah. Okay. I could ask him if I could just look at it. Can you open that up to page 13? Yeah, I don't want want to touch it. You open it. Yeah, I'm not touching it. Here's some gloves. (laughs) I probably wouldn't do it. No, probably not. Because someone's going to buy that and probably never open it. So, yeah. All righty. Let's move on to an email from Paul in Perth, Australia. Ooh, Perth. He sent a link uh, to comicvine.com regarding Michonne and her ability with a katana. Um, 
I guess we were, <laughs> were we talking about her ability with the katana or one of our listeners was? Uh, we had some feedback uh, from somebody who knew a thing or two about katanas and their usage. And uh, we're talking about flicking the blood off. Where the hell would she learn that? So um, from the link on Michonne's origin, the link on Comic Vine, it says, when the dead returned to life and began attacking the living, the first place Michonne went was her neighbor's house. His son, a high schooler, was a sword junkie that used to cut up the fence between their yards and killed their cat. That, of course, is from the Playboy comic of right. Michonne's origin. Yep. Uh, Michonne grabbed one of his katana swords. It was easier than finding a gun, and it wouldn't draw any attention to her. And this is the important part. She had taken fencing as a child and then again in college and had gotten pretty good at it. So fencing skills and katana skills are not exactly the same. And we're near the same. No, but swordplay is swordplay to a certain extent. I don't know. Maybe... I'm sure I'll be called out for that, but... I think think, uh, fencing pertains to uh, whatever the art of katana usage is, as uh, badminton is to... uh, Tennis. Butcher. Being a butcher. No, 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 no. (laughs) I'd say ping pong to tennis. How about that? Uh, they both have a racket, but I think different. the only thing that fencing would get you is, uh, you know, honing your uh, your reaction time, being able to understand uh, people when they telegraph mo- movement, mm-hmm. and about being able to react to things uh, quickly. Uh, the actual motions involved, I don't think, are anywhere near the same. Well, Paul's email says this would have obviously held her in good stead when the zombie apocalypse began and would have been one of her primary motives for going to her neighbor's house to get one of the katana swords. I hope we get to see this flashback in season three, which would be kind of cool, but I I don't hold much hope that we will. I don't think they'll show us You don't us think that. they'll give us an origin story? Uh, I'd be surprised. I don't know. I think we're going to see less and less flashbacks on this show. Have we, uh, we gotten many origin stories? I don't think we get any origin stories. No, we've stories. gotten brief little things. We have, of course, the beginning of the premiere um, of the pilot, I mean, with uh, Shane and Rick in the police car before they get he gets shot. That's not really an origin no, story. No, that's not. That's not a flashback either, right? I guess not. That was real time. It was uh, happening right then. Yeah. <laughs> that's how he got in the hospital. Uh, but we do have um, Lori picking up Carl at school. Yeah, that was a flashback. We have them standing on the highway while Atlanta gets bombed. Yep. Um, that might be it. That might be it. But no, we haven't. So we haven't got many to begin with, and I think we're going to get even less. To be quite honest with you, uh, so I don't think we'll see that flashback. But you know, I I, I understand that fencing and katana wielding are very different. But if you were a fencer, a prof- a, a good fencer, would you not maybe think to go for a sword weapon of some kind rather than a gun? Like, if you've never held a gun before or shot one, such as I have not, right? <clears throat> let's say I was a good fencer, I might be inclined to go for a sword rather than a gun. Well, you've used baseball bats, I, I assume. Many times. Do you own a Golf baseball Golf clubs, bat? baseball bats. You probably go for a bludgeoning weapon then. Yeah, probably. Well, okay, maybe a bludgeoning weapon. But if a sword was available, I'm not going to pass it up. I don't know. Swords are pretty dangerous. <laughs> you start swinging that thing around, you, you ever hit yourself in the head with a or with anything? Like a, a, accidentally whack your foot with a golf club? I've used an axe an awful lot. I know, but have you whacked yourself with a golf club before? No. Really? No, I haven't whacked myself with a golf club. Oh, man. Not a, never. I don't know what's wrong with me. I've hit myself with almost everything that I've, every tool I've ever used in my life. <laughs> yeah, you put your thumb over the nail when you're about to hammer it. I mean, what do you do? Well, doing? I'm very good at hammering. <laughs> 
Oh, good. Because actually, drumming uh, pertains to uh, hammering. Oh, yes. Because uh, if you if you have a drumstick and you're trying to get around the kit and you're trying to hit the bell on a cymbal or hit very small portions of the drum, you get very good and accurate. So wielding a hammer is just hitting, you know, whacking a, a small spot with an object. <laughs> it actually pertains rather well. Very good. <laughs> okay, so based on that, I'll give you, uh, I'll give this to you. Katana play does portray to or compared to fencing to a certain extent. Uh, so there you go. What I want to know here, though, is where that information came from. I had never heard that she take, took fencing as a child and again in college and had gotten pretty good at it. Well, I'm going to go to the store and buy a Playboy right now on the way home and read that and I, see. I got mine. It's upstairs, I think. You're missing the point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to see if that, uh, if that Walking Dead book is in there, first of all. If it's not... You, know, you just got a good magazine. I got a, you know, I got a magazine to read, and then I'll I'll go back to the uh, the issue because I have the issue at home as well. But I'm going to buy one on the way home just to make sure. Okay, good, perfect. You let me know how that empirical goes. empirical evidence. <laughs> cool. All right, we have a call from Max in Connecticut. Now this is a bit of a long call, but he makes three interesting points, and I do want to get to all of them. So we're going to play the whole thing. All right, here we go. Hey guys, this is Max from Connecticut again. Uh, just. I first want to thank you guys for, you know, doing the regular updates over the summer. It's really refreshing because uh, I listen to a few Walking Dead podcasts and uh, just uh, nice to see the professionalism and uh, dedication. Although I still cannot believe you think that Jasper is a character. I mean, come on. Kirk, maybe we have to sit down and say, all right, let's create a realistic prison character. Oh, I'll name him Jasper. Ugh. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'll take the $5,000 bet on Herschel. I think they're going to shell out his character a little bit more after losing the farm. Kind of became a little bit more of a major character at the end of the uh, season. I think a lot of fans kind of warmed up to him. Plus, he said the trailer that was the four-minute trailer was only for the first three episodes. So I like his chances. And you can see him at the prison also, by the way. Um, Lastly, I just want to say uh, you guys are a little bit hard on the Talking Dead. You know, just because uh, they have your name. I think you guys are being bitter besties on that. You know, if anything, it's something for the fans. I mean, I, I listen to a bunch of podcasts on Walking Dead, and, and I don't have a favorite, and I watch The Talking Dead. You know, it's nice to see some of the creators, although they can't say much. Uh, there are behind the scenes. There's some, there is some valuable things said. Um, just like you guys have some value, have valuable things to say. Uh, they have a nice little... Uh, lighter side with the comedy, and you guys have a little bit of comedy, but it's just a little bit different. If anything, you guys gain viewers and stars and likes from uh, there being more fans because of The Talking Dead um, and Walking Dead, fans of Chris Hardwick, you know, so forth. There are fans of Chris Hardwick out there, I'm sure. But anyways, I uh, just wanted to say uh, thank you guys, and come on, Jasper. All right, thank you, Max, for writing in. So first of all, Jason, I checked... There's no character called Jasper. Okay, I didn't hear anything after that, so I'm looking it up here. Are you <laughs> sure that guy's name? What's his name then? Well, um, I don't have it in front of me right now, but there were there was Dexter. Oh, could it be Dexter. Yeah, uh, Andrew is the guy that that freaked out and ran away. Um, there was the guy that was the um... Dexter is who you're thinking of. Dexter was the big dude, bald guy that Rick shot and killed no, in no. the chaos. That's not what I meant. That's not the guy. Okay, well... I it, gotta look him up. I'm pretty sure there's a Jasper. <laughs> there, there's no Jasper. I checked. There's uh, at least not in the prison. And I went to the Walking Dead wiki, 
and uh, character wiki and looked at every character, the whole character list, and there was nobody Jasper, I don't believe. I'm, so, I haven't given up yet. All right. So <laughs> there, there is no Jasper, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, I think a couple of people pointed that out, and uh, I, I don't think they're wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm being stubborn. Just You've, until it, it, I prove it to myself. I believe you, and I'm absolutely sure it, that the story of my life, <clears throat> not the complete story, but it, it, it's relevant. <laughs> Please don't get into that. It's, uh, is when I'm absolutely sure about something, yep. I'm dead wrong every time. Okay. Well, the, in, I guess you were pretty absolutely sure about this then. <laughs> oh, his name is Axel. Axel. There we go. <laughs> That's the guy I'm thinking of. Axel. So Axel with the big beard. Yeah, Axel with the big beard. I thought his name was Jasper. Are you here? Axel, Dexter, there. Thomas, and Andrew. Those were yeah. the prison survivors. Are you sure his name's not Jasper? <laughs> and they changed it? I'm going to go look in the books. Yeah. Maybe they changed it from the books to the trade paperbacks to something. Maybe. They wanted to call him Jasper, but they accidentally called him Axel. You can't and... trust anything anymore. <laughs> I guess. They're not. all different now. Okay, so the second part of Max's call was about uh, Herschel. He said he was going to take your $5,000 bet on Herschel surviving the cold open. No, that was for you. <clears throat> that was uh, a bet with you, Chris, personally. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not well, taking any bets. <laughs> well, he's taking that bet. So uh, um, his point was that they're going to flesh Herschel out a little bit because he survived the, uh, the farm onslaught. They'll probably keep him around for a while. Plus, you can see him at the prison, so... You never know how that episode's going to open. The cold open might be a flash forward, for right. all we know. Yeah. So uh, there you go. And then finally, Max sort of called us out for being a little hard on AMC's Talking Dead. Right. I can see his point. Definitely can see your point, Max. Um, I still, you know, I still stand by not really loving the show that much. Not, I don't think it brings that much to the table. Not sort of at its fault, because what can they do, really? They're they're too close to The Walking Dead itself. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just don't love it. You know, and his point about us gaining listeners because of it, fair enough. It's, yeah, fair. Fair, 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 fair enough. Uh, what, what can I tell you? Like, we've definitely gained listeners because of AMC's Talking Dead. Every time that show is on, our website traffic goes up people mistake us for them i've i've always been upfront as upfront as i can be about telling people that we are not amc's talking dead we are a fan podcast unrelated to amc in any way so uh totally a fair point but what can i do <laughs> what can i do i try to be honest with people here yeah i'm not a fan of the show i'm sorry yeah yeah i, I I do get some entertainment value out of it. When they have comedians on for uh, reasons I don't understand, they're at least comedians and they are funny. That's true. Sometimes, right? Yeah. So there you go. And I certainly do like hearing the actors use their original accents, like Maggie. Yeah. There's something very alluring about that. Mm-hmm. All right, finally, um, one more thing before we wrap up. On Facebook, or last week, we talked about Herschel getting arrested for DUI and... Uh, his mugshot was out there. It was. And I guess we, I guess I made a comment about somebody, or you called him Sad Santa. He looked like a Santa. And then I made a comment about somebody should go and put a Santa hat on him and yeah. and post that. Well, listener Stefan, or Stephen, I'm not sure, did just that and uh, posted it on our Facebook wall. So if you want to see 
um, sad Santa Herschel with a Santa hat on, yep. you can go to our Facebook page and see it. I was a little conflicted when I saw it, only because I, I do think it's funny. It is funny, uh, but it made it almost made him seem more sad, and I started to feel bad for him. Well, you know, he's got to go home and explain himself to Mrs. Claus now. <laughs> right. Why he was picked up for driving. And I don't know what you've heard, but she's a mean lady. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think he works so hard? Yeah, well, <laughs> he's always at work. He's always at work. He's always supervising the elves, and he goes out all night. And I don't know about you, but he, uh, it, where I come from, he always drank scotch. Yeah, we talked about that last yeah. week, so he so, comes home loaded. Yeah. Okay, well... Hope there's no five-year-olds listening to this podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> who, who said Santa's not real? Nobody said that. We're talking about Santa. He looks like Santa. He does. He looks like Santa. He's not Santa. He looks like the guy who is real named Santa. If you want to see Herschel in a Santa hat in a mug, with a, his mugshot, go to our Facebook page. It, it is sort of hilarious. He's got pretty eyes. <laughs> Why don't you marry him? I don't know. He's just look at his eyes. They're nice. Uh, they're kind of greenish blue. They're pretty eyes. There's they're wise. There's a lot of experience behind those they eyes. They look very sad. I okay. feel for him. All right. Let's uh now that you've professed your undying love for Maybe he needs a tear. Herschel Santa. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that wasn't my idea, everybody. It would just be too sad. Yeah. All righty. Um that's gonna wrap up uh this episode of The Talking Dead. I highly recommend you give our voicemail line a call at one eight six six four eight three zomb That is 483-9662. Leave your thoughts, comments, or questions there. Um, you know, whatever you send in, if it's relevant, we likely will play it on the air. So you'll get to hear your voice on a podcast. It's very exciting. Really? You can also uh, find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Again, go there to see Sad Santa Herschel. The facey pages. Yeah, that's right. Um, or find your high school yearbook, apparently, <laughs> Yep, on Facebook. And, of course, you can email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Well, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back in a week or two with another episode of The Talking Dead. Salut.